Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you, you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free, and we'd love to have you. Hey, everyone. <laughs> welcome. Um, nice to see you all. Um, welcome to Parsha class. Uh, it's good to have this oasis. For me, it's good to have this oasis of an hour of, of just Torah and um, learning and thinking together. It, there's a lot. Uh, I'm very, very aware that there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, it's like strange, like the, the pandemic's becoming like the third news story. Um, and we're, you know, and we're conscious that there's a war being started in the Ukraine. Um, and that seems scary. <laughs> Ukraine, by the way, is like a, a place of kind of a beacon of Jewish spirituality in the 18th and 19th centuries. So like real, you know, there's like a lot of holiness that's come out of that place straight into our tradition. Um, aware of that. And I also um, just, you know, uh, there's a lot going on in our community and I'm thinking today uh, of, of, uh, of Dr. Jody Myers and wanna just dedicate our learning to her healing. Um, you may have taken a, cl a class with her at this hour because last summer um, I took a few weeks off and, uh, and I had some support from ECAR teachers, but the one teacher that I tapped from um, outside of our clergy team was, was Jody Myers. Um, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't trust this class with anyone. I mean, I, you know, she's, she's, she's a real, a real scholar and a real sensitive thinker about Torah. Um, and she's, you know, she's definitely on a serious healing journey right now. Um, I'm actually going to be, uh, visiting her later. She just went through a major, major surgery and we'll be visiting with her later. And the reason that I'm visiting with her is because, um, she specifically said that she wanted to study some Torah. You know, and and you know she's going through recovery, and there you know there's things that are hard for her, and and, and her, um, her you know her thoughts are not entirely clear she, as by her own d d description. But but Torah um, and her son said this is like one part of her brain that's really like act activated and and thirsty again. So that's a blessing, and um, and so I'm going to share with her some of what we talk about together today. And I say I say all of that just to say like I, I want. Um, us all to feel like our learning today is 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 going not just in in you know the spirit of her healing but also going straight to her like we'll 
what we share today, we'll, I'll deliver to her later. So, so we're all learning with Jody um, today and praying for her healing. Her name is um, Tzipora um, Liba Bat Esther Hana, um, and just wishing um, for healing, uh, uh, healing of body and healing of spirit for, for Dr. Jody Myers. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's say a blessing and then, and then we're gonna get into a very, 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 very big topic today. Thank God for, uh, for this oasis uh, of Torah. Um, the the Psalms say, if, if not for Torah, my great delight, my plaything, then I would be lost in, in my sorrows, in the sorrows of the, there are many sorrows to, to get lost in. So um, thank God for Torah. Okay, so today um, we are going to be talking about, in a word, Shabbat, Shabbat. And, you know, I, I think if, if you've studied with me um, just a handful of times before, you quickly get the, the, you probably get the, one of the guiding principles that informs my, my reading of the Torah, which is that um, the Torah as a, as a kind of liter, as a literary craft, um, uses repetition in patterns of language to communicate messages. So there's a kind of poetic device to the Torah. And repetition is the most repetition, parallelism, some sort of recurring pattern of, of language or in the language. Okay. So that we do all, all the time in this class. And we might take just a little phrasing in one part of the Torah that we notice appears only in one other part of the Torah. And so these two locations uh, seem to be connected and maybe there's a it's a it's like a strange phrasing or there's a couple of words that get repeated and more and more it seems to us that these two passages are in dialogue with one another are meant to be compared so we can do that with little we did that a few weeks ago with the word seats seats which was like refers to both the the diadem the tiara on the on the high priest's um forehead and also to the the fringes on the corners of 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 a prayer shawl Okay, so it's like that kind of, oh, so now what's the connection? Okay, so uh, we do that all the time in this class uh, in, all, in ways that are, that, I, that are subtle, looking for just subtle connections. But today we're gonna be very blunt. Today, in a, in a way, we're doing the same kind of work. We're gonna look at the, a word or an idea as it keeps recurring throughout the Torah. But this is, it doesn't, you know, you don't need to, 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 to pull out the thread of nuance here in the Torah's language to, to see this happening because it's happening very prominently. Shabbat is a massive, massive topic in Jewish religion. I mean, life it, 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 and do the whole Jewish experience. Shabbat is really uh, one of the fundamental institutions that, um, that I mean, you, can't, you can't say enough about Shabbat in, in some ways, but on the other hand, it's just a law it's just one of the 613 laws. So, so the, 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 the deep significance of it, we get in part because the Torah, unlike some of those other laws, just keeps hammering, 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 hammering away at Shabbat. And um, I say all this because this week in the Torah, we are at one of the appearances of Shabbat. This week's Parsha, um, Parshat Vayakel is a kind of a, a continuing description of the, the building of the tabernacle, the Mishkan, which we already heard all about 
um, a couple of, of parshas ago, uh, three parshas ago, and um, you know, there's this strange repetition. We've talked we we've talked about this in in, in the last few weeks that. The whole thing repeats itself. We're still talking about the building of the tabernacle, fine. Um, but this restart in the talking about the building of the tabernacle is about to get started when suddenly Moshe mentioned Shabbat again. Okay, so let me uh, let me just t t show you the, the the passage that leads our parsha off this week, and then we're gonna like take a step back and think about. Uh, we, have, we have a very big project, a very ambitious project that I have in mind today. Um, and uh, whether we're able to do it entirely or not, it remains to be seen, but it'll be good for, I, this is like vegetables. It'll be good for you all. It'll be good for all of us because we're going to try and see all of the places in the Torah where Shabbat not appears, but where Shabbat is, is commanded, is taught, is, 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 is being discussed. Okay, so this is this week's Torah reading. Um, Moses then convoked or gathered by Yakel the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things that Adonai has commanded you to do. Okay, and then it seems like it should move to the building of the tabernacle. That's what um, the, this whole Parsha is going to be about. You would think that we would pick up in verse 5. Take from among you gifts to Adonai, to Hashem. Okay, so you would think that Moses is, is gathering them all in order to build the tabernacle. But there's an interruption here, and Moses mentions Shabbat. Shabbat, which we've already seen a number of times before. Moshe, Moshe suddenly mentioned Shabbat on six days. Work may be done, but on the seventh day, you shall have a Shabbat of complete rest. Okay, now that... That, that by the end of our hour, I hope we'll understand um, that passage a little better, but I'll just say now that the, the traditional reading of this passage is that this is the source for um, the pro prohibited labors on Shabbat. In other words, um, the tradition, uh, the rabbinic interpretive tradition tells us that how do you keep Shabbat? by not doing whatever they did in the tabernacle, whatever they did to build the tabernacle. And the way you know that is because Moses intentionally inserts Shabbat here to say, you don't do the following work on Shabbat. And in that sense, the tabernacle, all of the discussion of the tabernacle suddenly becomes very relevant because it's actually the template for all the things that we can't do on Shabbat, which is a huge institution, ongoing institution in Jewish life. Okay, so there's, you know, there is even like a funny little way of they, they, they connect the words for the work of the tabernacle, the work you don't do on Shabbat. They even have like a funny way of reading these are the things to add up the letters and numbers to make 39, which are the number of prohibited labors on Shabbat. It's very impressive. Like it's a very impressive piece of interpretation, but it does seem like a little bit of a stretch, right? It feels like... A, that that's how that's what Moses meant here, and, and, and nobody ever articulates it. Is that this is the source for the prohibited labors on Shabbat? And, and as I said, there are thirty nine. There's a huge, biggest volume of the Talmud discussing all of the the ways that we rest on Shabbat, the things we don't do. We don't light a fire. We don't you know, we don't plow. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's the interpretive move. But as I said, it still seems a, like a little bit of a stretch 
Like, what is Shabbat doing here? I mean, that's a cool answer, but why, why do the rabbis think, oh, Shabbat is here to teach us about how to keep Shabbat by referring to the Mishkan, which Shabbat is embedded in? It just feels very convoluted. I want to, in, in a sense, to justify the claim today. I want to go all the way back, start looking at how we got here and all of the mentions of Shabbat that we've seen before this. And then maybe by the time we arrive back at this opening passage, we will feel a, a little more sympathy with the rabbis who thought, oh, well, this Shabbat, this version of Shabbat must mean this, given what we've seen before. Okay, I see a couple of hands, my mother. Right, good questions. Okay, so my mother's asking questions about the lighting of a fire on Shabbat. You know, surprised, she's surprised that, that they would ban lighting fire on, on, on Shabbat. You know, I mean, and what if it's cold? And what, like, it, it seems like a very strict uh, prohibition. But my, but my mother's right, also right to highlight it because that's another reason why it seems that this, this, this Shabbat, this moment of mentioning Shabbat is so connected to prohibited labors because it says you shall kill, kindle no um, fire throughout your settlements on the Sabbath day. Right? So my mother read, read a little bit further and saw, oh, it, it's already mentioning prohibitions on Shabbat. And then said further, and here are a bunch of labors that take from gifts from you gifts. And this begins the construction of the tabernacle. Everyone whose heart is so moved shall bring from them gifts for God. And then it goes on and on and on to discuss the tabernacle. But my mother points out they're already discussing prohibitions. They're already talking about Fire is an example of what's prohibited on Shabbat. So this is good. This is good if I, I, I said, we're going to try and understand where the rabbis are coming from, how they justify this project. And my mother's quite right that one of the clues is that they're suddenly mentioning how you, we don't light fires on Shabbat, a surprising but very specific commandment. So we'll do this, exactly what my mother is doing. We'll do this in every mention of Shabbat that we see. What's going on there? What's happening? Right? What, 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 why is Shabbat being mentioned again? Okay. Um, Noah. Yeah, the, these mentions of Shabbat are always interesting, trying to find the commonality and differences here. In this one, I was looking it over again, and then the word, the word there, Malacha, just suddenly stood out, uh, taking away the olive from there. And it's more pronounced that, that maybe we're talking about the Shabbos queen and royalty and what we can do in uh -huh. the presence of royalty and what's uh, mundane labor that's really not allowed in that presence of royalty. Wow, that, now that, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, contain Noah's thought there, because that's like an, another move. It's like, oh, and the language Noah suggests of work is connected to the language of royalty, malchut, malacha. So like maybe there's some connection between, that's like a, a almost like a Hasidic move, right? Or a midrashic, at least midrashic move. Like the, the, the language of Shabbat, it's so present and there are so many little nuances to it that we can begin to build and build. What is, I mean, in some ways, part of what Noah is asking, what is Shabbat? 
What's the point of Shabbat? What is the big deal about Shabbat? We know that it's the seventh day of rest, right? What's the big deal? And we could build um, a whole, and, and we have over thousands of years built a whole, um, a whole Torah of Shabbat. But today, I just want to stick to the Torah, just to the actual verses in the Torah and um, not get too far afield. I thought about, look, I scoured some of the commentaries and I thought, this is just too much. Once you begin looking at the commentaries on Shabbat, it never ends. But we can do a lot of good work just by looking at Shabbat in the Torah. And I hope we'll actually see all of the mentions today, but we're going to focus especially on the Shabbat um, that we see appearing in Exodus because Shabbat appears in the book of Exodus more than in any other book in the Torah. And that's significant too. Okay, so here we go. Um, wait, my... um, here we go. Um, so there are two most prominent Shabbat mentions in the, in, in the Torah. Right, I'm, I'm going to say, wow, I'm, I, I, there are so, I hope you'll be as surprised as I am that there are so many mentions of Shabbat in the Torah. And we're gonna have to try and, 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 and make sense of them all. But there are two, I think that are, those the famous ones, the famous, famous mentions of Shabbat in the Torah. And what do you think they are? Just like guess in your head or in the chat, what are the, what are the two most famous mentions of Shabbat? So, I think the two most famous mentions of the Shabbat are God Shabbat in the very the like opening of the Torah, right? Just, just the second chapter of the Torah. That's, that's where Shabbat starts. And then of course, Shabbat in the 10 commandments. Shabbat is one of the 10 commandments, kind of surprising. Like of the thing, don't kill and Shabbat. Okay, so those are the famous ones. But as you'll soon see, there's a lot going on even between those two and then a lot more that, that continues after the Ten Commandments. So here, here is the source sheet for today. Okay, and um, by the way, I wanna just say uh, that um, I've been sharing source sheets and discussing some of the material that we've been, uh, we've been learning in class together, getting emails from some of you. And I, I, if, I'm, if I owe you an email, I will get back to you. I, I, I have like just like a flood of other like shul related emails, but I so appreciate the continuing conversation after these classes. And I, I, uh, I really value those emails. So don't think I'm, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't seen them. I'm, I'm, I will write back. Um, okay, so here, let's go back to the beginning of, um, of the Torah. Let's go back to really the beginning of the Torah. Second chapter of the Torah begins with the first mention of Shabbat. And that is to say that the Torah begins by creating the world, right? And God created light and God created the waters and God created the, um, the, the, the earth and God created the, all of the grass and the, and the animals and then us. And then we were created on the sixth day and then that's it. And then the famous, we say this in, Kiddush and in our prayers, this is one of the real, like, famous pieces of language we have around Shabbat. The heaven and the earth were finished in all their array. On the seventh day, God finished the work uh, that had been undertaken. Okay, now here's a hard one to translate, and here we get into the language. Um, God finished all the work that, that, that God had done. 
Vayishbot. This is the first appearance of the language of Shabbat. Vayishbot. Vayishbot biyom hashvi'i. It, although it's in a verb form. So what is the verb? Well, I think we usually translate it as rested. But here it's a little, first of all, it's a little funny to describe God as resting. That has always perplexed our interpreters. But also um, uh, God, uh, God, God maybe stopped doing the work and so ceased. That's another way perhaps to translate it. So I, what exactly... Is it a not doing, or it is is a is it a an active resting? We can we could debate that a little bit and, and look at the context here. But that's the first appearance of the the verb Shabbat on the seventh day from doing any work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. That's a lot. Because on it, God rested from all God's work. And there it is again in verb form. Okay, it hasn't been named yet. But we've got this crazy thing. It's just a crazy thing, which is that God, out of nowhere, rests on the seventh. Makes sense that we would have had got a description of God creating the world. God, that God suddenly took a day and just was in repose. That in itself is worth an entire class. Right? But we're not going to, um, to analyze that in depth today, except in the rear view mirror. I want to take us into Exodus and see how Shabbat gets picked up in Exodus. And then we'll, we know that the first and primary reference is in the creation story. Okay. So I said, two most famous places, creation story, 10 commandments. And it's true, actually in the creation story, God seems to rest on Shabbat. And then we don't hear about Shabbat for the rest of the book of Genesis. That's striking. None of the, it doesn't seem to be a tradition that the patriarchs are following. The rabbis midrashically try to read them as, oh, no, 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 they kept Shabbat. And maybe they did, but like, we don't hear it mentioned. Okay, it's not a thing. It's way, it's not, and it's not a thing in Egypt. It's only when the, the Israelites finally leave Egypt that they get Shabbat. And yes, they get it in a formal way in the Ten Commandments. But that's not where we first, that's not where we first hear about Shabbat in the book of Exodus. In other words, from creation, we don't hear about Shabbat until, anyone know, where's the first place we hear about Shabbat? Is that a yes, uh, Allison? Where's the first place? Yeah. I think it's with the manna that comes from heaven. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. The manna that comes from heaven. So I'm going to turn back to you if you have something to say about it. But let's take a look at that because Allison's exactly right. As they begin to leave, and now they're wandering out into the desert, where, what are they going to do? How are they going to survive? God announces that God is, and they complain, right? That's the story. They leave, and immediately they're like, what have you done? You brought us out here to die. And God says, no, 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 no. Good news, I'm going to be raining down um, man, manna from heaven, right? This magic bread that falls from the sky. And in the midst of that, we seem to get Shabbat. I mean, and then actually we get explicitly Shabbat in, in some ways, but, but we haven't been explicit. This is a strange first, imagine you've never heard about Shabbat before. You're just a slave running for your life. And then all of a sudden, this is, this is what happens, okay? So I'm gonna give you the, the beginning of the story and then we'll, we'll fast forward um, to, the, to the end of the story. And then we're, this is in some ways our main text today because this is, this is 
a clue into what it means for the people of Israel to be learning about Shabbat and to be processing what Shabbat is. And, you know, to a certain extent, we're still doing that. So let's take a look. So uh, Hashem said to Moshe, God said to Moses, I will rain down bread for you from the sky. Wow. And the people shall go out and gather each day's portion. Every day they go out and there'll be mana from heaven. Thus, but then this is the interesting part. That, that, that I may thus test them to see whether they will follow my instructions or not. I, and the instructions is, is not the word I want to use here. It's really like my, my Torah or not, right? I mean, that, or maybe it's lowercase Torah, like, because it's not the official Torah yet, but my instructions, you know what I mean? My instructions, my Torah or not. Okay, and what is the, what are the instructions? What are, what is, well, they're very cryptic. They're very brief, but the instructions are that on the sixth day, when they apportion what they have brought in, it shall prove to be double the amount they gather each day. Okay, so God's going to rain down mana, and something about the raining down of mana is, is a, is a, is a, 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 a test, a kind of a, an experiment to see whether they can follow instructions. And the instructions have something to do with um, the double portion on the sixth day. Okay, so that is, um, that's what God instructs. And let me see here. There's actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, here we go. Um, on the sixth day, they gather double the amount of food, two omers for each, right? That happens. On the sixth day, the mana comes down and it's double. And um, everybody came to Moshe and they said, what's going on? I'm not sure. Has Moses communicated it or not? But Moses says, this is what God meant. And here's the first teaching of Shabbat. This is what God meant. Tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Shabbat of, of, of Hashem. This is what, what God meant. Tomorrow's a day of rest, a holy Shabbat of Shem. Shabbat, uh, uh, Shabbaton, Shabbat Kodesh Lashem. Bake what you would bake and boil what you would boil and, and all that is left put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses is ordered and it did not turn foul because if you hoarded the manna, it would rot. But on Shabbat, it wouldn't rot. And so then Moses said, so to eat it now today on Saturday, because today is Shabbat and you're not going to find any, it's not raining down any mana on Shabbat. Six days you gather Shabbat and on the seventh uh, you gather mana and on the seventh day of Shabbat, there will be none. And then, okay, so that's it. That's Shabbat. Like seems pretty simple. It didn't, it wasn't clear at first, but now, um, I mean, I don't know if it's simple. Actually, I mean, that's part of what I'm asking. What are the people thinking when they suddenly, it doesn't seem like they've gotten the full message. They come and say, wait, there's double today. And Moshe says, yes, this is Shabbat. This is called Shabbat and this is how it works. Okay. And, and, and Moses explains. And then of course, we have to just include one last thing, which is that the whole thing was a test and the people fail. And they fail, right? Because this is the end of the story is, um, yet some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found nothing. And Hashem said to Moshe, how long will you refuse to obey my commandments and my, my teachings? 
Mark that it is Hashem who having given you the, has given you the Shabbat, therefore gives you two days of food on the sixth day. Let everyone remain in place. Let no one leave the vicinity on the seventh day. So the people remained inactive. Here's another funny translation for rested. We could just say rested. The people rested on the seventh day. Okay, sorry, sorry for the convoluted story there. It's a, little, it's a little funny, the storytelling. But again, what just happened? The people complained they needed food. God said, I will give you food, but I'm going to use that giving you food as a test to see if you can follow my instructions. Double food appears in the sixth day. Why didn't the people get this in, this information earlier? But they go to Moshe and say, what's going on? I have two pieces of mana. And Moshe says, that's the way it's going to work because tomorrow is Shabbat. Okay, tomorrow Shabbat, what does that mean? It means you get two. All it seems to mean is that you get two portions today and you don't get a portion tomorrow. So don't go gather tomorrow. And then the next day, the people are, well, let's just go see. And they go out and God is mad. Okay. So, so let's pause here. This is like, now we've seen the Shabbat of creation. And if you're reading the Torah, you know that. But if you're, a, if you're a, an Israelite at this point, I'm not sure you do. So all of a sudden, Moshe is like, this is Shabbat. So what's happening here? Right? Like, what is, what is God trying to teach the people? How is what is this a, any way to introduce Shabbat? So what's been happening? Well, the context we're in now is a context of an enslaved people awakening to freedom. And that has that context has to be um, has to be um, in, in, entered into our understanding of this introduction of Shabbat. It's not being introduced to just anyone. It's not even being introduced to just like, you know, a, a unique people on a unique spiritual journey. It's being introduced to a people who have just had hundreds of years of bondage, of slavery, of working every single day, right? And so Shabbat, as we read it, seems immediately like, oh, well, this, uh, no, no kidding, you need a day of rest. Thank you, God. Thank you, Torah. You're so wise. But the people don't, adapts that quickly. The people don't understand what it would mean to not have to scurry after food on the seventh day, even if they have enough, right? And, and Jews throughout history and poor people throughout history have known this, this reality that like, you know, you never know when you're going to need to, to save food. And so you save food always. Because times of, 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 of struggle are always around the corner. So the so this all is to say we can understand that the people don't really want to trust that they should just take a day off. Do you understand how, how this works, how my life works? Okay, so that's, that's important context as well. Marianka? Hi, I am thinking of the importance of counting time, especially in the context of people, uh, recently freed people. Um, you know, we know that later on people went up the hill and looked at the moon cycles to establish when uh, new moons, uh, new months starts. But I think this is the beginning. The this is the I don't know if the, God communicated to Moses that this is going to be Shabbat or something. But in a way, it's the it's the new uh, time count for people who are free. Good. This is great. This is really important too, um, and, and builds on this contextual understanding of Shabbat, but it's such an important layer that Marianka is giving us, which is that 
the very concept of time is new to these people because they were enslaved. And this is the big, this comes actually before um, the mana and Shabbat is introduced. The first commandment that the people of Israel get collectively is this is the new month, the new moon, the new calendar, the new journey through time. You will now have some control over your time. And, and, and actually, Passover is mentioned before Shabbat, but you know, Passover also takes place on a seven-day cycle. So there's something about coming to, into to, uh, an awakening of what it means to manage time and therefore to break time into units instead of just an infinite um, uh, uh, horizon of work, right? So that's really, really important. Just, and, and part of what I think what Marianka is saying is, yeah, we've, we've been, we've been uh, as, Mar uh, as, as Marlene said, we've, we, we've been thinking now about layering, getting into a slowly adapting Shabbat. One of the things we're gonna need to slowly adapt to is the idea of a repeating rhythm or cycle through time. That's, that's new too. That's a, and, and that doesn't come easy. So maybe this is what's happening here is that people are, are getting used to that, getting used to that, okay. And then this, you know, we'll read it because this is this is the ten. This is the great language of the Ten Commandments. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And 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 on the seventh day it is a, a Shabbat for for Adonai for your your God. And uh, you should not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your animal, the stranger who is within your gates. Nobody does work. Okay, and now, and now, folks, a new idea. Because on six days, God made the heaven and the earth. And the sea and everything that is in it. But then God rested, and this language really is rested. And God rested on the seventh day. And that is why God blessed the Sabbath day and, and hallowed it. Oh, that's why. Why didn't you tell me that before? Right? I mean, now you've already given some good answers to that. Maybe, it, maybe that's a little too much along the way. You know, or maybe God was introducing it too early. We could we could think about that too. But this now the Ten Commandments. What's new in the Ten Commandments? Suddenly, it turns out that Shabbat has to do with that original creation Shabbat. Well, why didn't you just say so? What? Oh, that's a, okay. So so you see now now we've got a a new layer, a new layer. Okay, so there's a there's a kind of a, a realization that must have happened around this this. This uh, formulation of Shabbat, okay? Or, and, and we're building, and we're building. Allison, did you have more to say on that point? No. No, that's right. All right, so, so that takes us to then to the 10 commandments. Now, let's say where we're at for time. Mm, it's pretty, we, we're, we're getting down here. So I wanna at least take us through to the, um, to the end of the book of Exodus. Let's take one more comment and then we're gonna push and take, take a quick look at some of the other Shabbats that happen after the 10 commandments. Now, Leah's trying to help us imagine what, 
the, the, the messaging around Shabbat, right? And, you, and, and as Leah said, you, you've done a lot of this work, but now, now that we have the Ten Commandments and this new idea that Shabbat is about God's Shabbat, honoring that God rested on the sixth day. So what, what does that mean? Well, it says that God saw everything that God had done and, and it was good and God rested and refreshed. Something about like looking, regarding, being rest, whatever. It's hard. I mean, like I said, this deserves its own goal. What was, what was God's Shabbat? But there it is. And you're going to be asked to do that. But I mean, I, I, think, I think Leah's comments suggest that that's a massive thing to be asked to do. What does it mean to emulate God? To keep a day where you don't make the world either? It's like, it doesn't make any, so, 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 so there's practice. Can you do one day without just gathering food? And this is what I would say to someone who was taking on Shabbat practice in, in our time, right? Don't do everything at once, start developing rhythms. You know, try to just light candles every week and then maybe try to stay off your phone uh, for a night, 24 hours. And then maybe, you know, try not to use money on Shabbat, you know, build towards Shabbat. And, and we're seeing that happen here so that when they get the message that Shabbat is about being like God, being somehow partners in that act of, of creation cycle. Okay, well, that's interesting. I already know what it means to rest one day a week. Now I'm going to take it to the next level. Right. Okay. So let's keep, uh, th this is great work and let's keep just, uh, I want to at least take us to the end of the book of Exodus though, you know, I'll make mention of some of the others, but Shabbat, you would think at this point we're done, right? Like at this point, we, there's the Shabbat of creation. We had a little trial run and now the 10 commandments and that's it. That's, that's actually all I need to hear about for the rest of the Torah. I've got Shabbat now, but not, not, not so. Not so at all. Shabbat continues throughout the Torah. Shabbat is mentioned in every one of the five books of the Torah. In Deuteronomy, famously, the Ten Commandments are repeated, and that's a mention of Shabbat. And actually, some of the language around specifically the Shabbat commandment is changed um, from remember to observe the Shabbat day. So that's like, that's a whole hour class discussion unto itself, right? Um, so there's lots of Shabbat to take account of, but let's just keep going through the book of Exodus here, because this is the 10 commandments. And then as if we hadn't gotten the Shabbat in the 10 commandments, um, there's a mention of a new kind of Shabbat in the catalog of laws that follows the 10 commandments. Now this one's interesting because it doesn't, it's not called Shabbat. It's not called Shabbat, but in the middle of all of the laws in Parshat Mishpatim, yeah, the, the, the reading which follows the revelation of Mount Sinai, there's a huge catalog of laws, but I want to give you one of those laws that appears to be Shabbat, but is in a very different context. The context is that this is the law we're discussing, the first mention of the sabbatical year. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but in the seventh you shall let it rest and lie fallow. Let the needy of, among your people eat of it, and what they leave let the wild beasts eat. You shall do the same with your vineyards and your olive groves. Okay, that's the sabbatical year. And then it says six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor in order that your ox and your ass may rest and that your homeborn slave and the stranger may be refreshed. Okay, so see what happens there. Shabbat mentioned again, but it's not called Shabbat. In fact, I read an article before class um, 
I, I think the academic approach sees this as like an earlier Shabbat institution where it wasn't necessarily, it's just every seven days that this is a different kind of cycle. You know, um, in other words, there, there's some other trace of taking the seventh day off that like makes, that gets merged into Shabbat. Oh, but, 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 but in any case, what we can see is that Shabbat here, now having been sanctified in the Ten Commandments, is now mentioned in connection to other seven cycles, seven-year cycles. So you'll observe the seventh day, and then there'll also be a seventh year. Eventually, there'll be a, a jubilee year, seven times seven, right? This, oh, so maybe some of the work here is that Shabbat is now being expanded into a kind of template for all kinds of Jewish rhythms, right? Here's another expansion or a connection um, that the Torah makes around Shabbat. So this is, if you're keeping track here, we're in Exodus 23. The Ten Commandments were in Exodus 20. The monastery was in Exodus 16. Okay, so scrolling forward now, um, now to Exodus um, 31. And I want to actually, if you don't mind, jump even further forward um, to Exodus 34. This is right before this week's Parsha. And... Um, there's yet another mention of Shabbat. This one, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor. You shall cease from labor even at plowing time and at harvest time. And then you shall observe the feast of weeks and the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the turn of the year. So here's another example of exactly what we just saw. The Shabbat is being um, linked to the seven-year cycle, right? The Shabbat is also being um, discussed in the context of the of the agricultural rituals and the agricultural labors in the cycle of the three harvest festivals. Don't, don't get so caught up in the harvest festivals that you, that you reap and, and sow and plow on Shabbat. No, Shabbat is part of that rest cycle. So you have to integrate Shabbat into the harvest festivals and you have to tether Shabbat to the sabbatical cycle. Shabbat is now growing and becoming intertwined with other rhythms and systems in Jewish life, okay? Shabbat's growing, Shabbat's growing, Shabbat's growing. Okay, and then, uh, and I said I skipped over one, but I'm going to now go back to it. This is a fascinating mention of Shabbat, is um, there's, this, um, there's, this ep there's this account of Moses on the mountain, and just before Moses comes down the mountain, and you can see, I just want you to see what they're talking about, God and Moses. And they're talking about the anointing oil and the aromatic incense for the sanctuary, just do it like they're talking about all of the tabernacle doodads and 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 rituals and then god said to moses speak to the israelite people and, and say nevertheless you must keep my shabbatot keep my shabbatot and go shabbat is holy whoever profanes it shall be put to death whoever works on it that person shall be cut off from from their kin six days may work be done but on the seventh day shall be a shabbat it's like again more shabbat more shabbat more shabbat and the reason that i wanted to highlight this one i mean i actually just trying to be thorough here but i i also want to highlight this one because this one also uh, is ends up being the last thing that moses said to, to that god said to moses on mount sinai Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. And then upon finishing speaking with him on, on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the two tablets of the pact, stone tablets inscribed with the finger of God. So just to make clear what just happened, 
It's like, we have the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments are Shabbat. Then Moses goes up to the top of the mountain to get the rest of the, of the, the laws. Moses gets a bunch of laws. And it's like, the, the Torah records an episode where God is about to finish talking to Moses and says, and one more thing, let me once again remind you about Shabbat. It is so important, Shabbat. Let me review all of the laws that we've seen about Shabbat before. You really got to keep Shabbat. Don't forget about Shabbat. If you break Shabbat, you die. It's really serious. Shabbat is a really big deal. So here you have like, from an, you have, you, you've seen now examples of Shabbat being expanded into other realms of Jewish life and, 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 and time. But also you have, you have a, kind, an, a narrative account of God almost scurrying to add one more mention of Shabbat. Don't forget about Shabbat. <laughs> so do, I hope you have the feeling that it's, it's almost obsessive. It's almost Shabbat, 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 okay? So now you have a sense of like layers, layers. And these are all the Shabbats that we see before we get to the Shabbat of this week. So that's how we'll close with the Shabbat of this week. But let's, okay. All right, we have to close now. But I want to say two last things before we do. One is that this all, I said we were going to take this journey in part just to justify the rabbi's approach to this week's Shabbat, this Shabbat in chapter 34. And I do think, I'm sorry, 35, that this Shabbat becomes the, the Shabbat the rabbis use to connect the labors of, prohibited labors of Shabbat to the building of the tabernacle. And we said they did it through all kinds of twists and turns and kind of um, convoluted interpretations. But I, the part of what I want to, um, um, to claim here is that now we can understand why the rabbis st are starting to feel like, oh, every time the Torah mentions Shabbat, it's to teach us a new aspect of Shabbat. I, I can see it happening. I can see the trial run and I can see the reference back to creation. And I can see the way that this becomes one of the 10 central principles of our people. But I can also see the way that it, it, it gets linked into other rituals that our people hold, harvest festivals, sabbatical year, like it's starting to expand. And so here's another mention of Shabbat, even as God seems to have just finished talking about Shabbat, more Shabbat. So this must be, we now have to start reading every Shabbat in its context and sort of looking, well, what's this Shabbat about? This Shabbat must be about not doing work because they're in the middle of doing work. We've seen other Shabbats that were about um, um, establishing a cycle of seven because you can see various patterns of cycles of seven. So look at every Shabbat in its context, but also more importantly, look at all of the Shabbats in the context of the successive revelations of Shabbat in the Torah. Okay, so that's one thing. The last thing I want to say is just that there are a couple of mentions of Shabbat in the book of Leviticus. And as I, I mentioned, one, uh, the repeat of the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy. But it's really interesting that the, 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 the most prominent, I think the only mention of Shabbat in the book of Numbers, other than saying, you know, and on Shabbat they offered this sacrifice, you know, there, there's that stuff. But, but actual, uh, an episode about Shabbat, and, and I just want to leave off on this, is that in the book of Numbers here, let's just see, from, from Exodus, then in Leviticus, Shabbat is mentioned, you shall um, revere your mother and father and keep my Shabbat. In Leviticus, Shabbat is included as part of the calendar, my fixed time, Shabbat. But this is the, this is the, the mention of Shabbat in Numbers, and it's, it's a story. 
And the story of, of the, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they came upon a man gathering wood on the Shabbat day. Now, remember the first thing we learned about Shabbat is that you don't gather on the, on the Shabbat day. So those who found him as he was gathering wood brought him before Moses and Aaron and the community leadership. And now listen to this line. He was placed in custody for it had not been specified what should be done to him. And God says, and it's a very harsh ending. God says, well, you should kill him. And they do kill him. But for, you know, Shabbat is severe. There's a, that whole aspect of Shabbat that we, why does Shabbat have the death penalty? I'm sure most of us don't like that idea nowadays. But what I want to just end on is look at how the people still don't know how Shabbat works. I mean, I don't mean to say this guy didn't know that you're, that you're not supposed to keep Shabbat, but I think this guy didn't care. And the people didn't know, what do you do with someone who doesn't want to keep Shabbat? Are we imposing Shabbat? Is it a social, people don't understand. God has said before, if you violate Shabbat, you're going to die. But the people, do we kill him? Do you kill, what? Shabbat is still being worked out in the book of Numbers. They still don't know what to do. They still have to consult God to figure out what Shabbat is. So again, it should be no surprise that the rabbis believe the Torah must have, if we read it carefully enough, some kind of code that we can decipher that will tell us what Shabbat is. Because it's very nice to say, remember the Shabbat day, but how? How do we remember the Shabbat day? And more than that, it's very nice to say, observe or guard the Shabbat day. But how? How do we guard that? What are the prohibited labors? Well, said the rabbis, they're the labors of the tabernacle. And, and I hope you have a better sense now of why they would make such a move. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom. Nice to, nice to be with you all. And, uh, and I'll see you next Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And, um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that, that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discussed there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week. 